Welcome to episode 107 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church for Christ Church. Uh, we want to uh, welcome you today uh, to this episode. Uh, I am here with uh, my two uh, good friends, Dr. Gabriel Williams and Reverend Michael Bauer. Good to be with you guys today. Good being here. Good to be here. It's a beautiful day here in the Low Country, and uh, it's great to get together to talk about uh, things that matter. And uh, today we want to talk about uh, the church. Uh, the church, which God's Word calls the Bride of Christ, Amen. Uh, the pillar and buttress of truth, uh, the body of Christ, uh, the household of God, uh, the family of God, the, uh, the flock of God, uh, the city of God, uh, Zion, uh, and on and on we could go with all the various ways that the endearing ways that uh, the Holy Scripture speaks about the church, the church uh, that uh, entity for which Christ shed his own blood. Indeed, we're called as husbands to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Uh, Christ cherish, cherishes his church. He loves his church. And uh, interestingly, even with all of this kind of language and all of this teaching that we find in the New Testament and the Old Testament, uh, we do have people in our own day, a very common thing that people will say is, well, I'm, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. <laughs> yes. Or they'll say something like, I'm a Christian, but I'm not, not really for organized religion. Yeah. Uh, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Uh, what are we to make of this kind of response? Uh, and I think this is especially a poignant question in our own day. Uh, since the pandemic uh, caused yes. many churches to uh, have to Zoom their worship services. In yeah. fact, I was just reading earlier today that there are still PCA churches that have not met together wow. since the beginning of the pandemic. Wow. And that's not, even, wow. that's not even because it's being mandated by uh, the government. It's, yeah. They have made this decision. And mm. so what are we to make of all this? A lot of Christians, a lot of well-meaning uh, Christians still have not gone back to church and some are contemplating whether or not they even need to and so uh, that's going to be the discussion for our day about uh, why is it that we need the church as christian believers say the first thing to i guess consider is the fact that in some sense this is an expected response and much of this is due to many of the cultural factors that influence Americans in general and also Christians in particular. And so if you think about the, the common uh, kind of ethos of our society, in one sense, we have a society that wants to publicize all of their life and <laughs> whole being upon Facebook and social media. And we have kind of a selfie generation type. But at the same exact time, we also have a large number of people who want to remain anonymous. And part of that is, in a sense, tied to a anti-authoritarian mentality that has, that's in the culture in general. Yeah. But it also is appearing, it's, a, it's appearing within the church. And so on one end, it's expected that uh, having a faithful commitment to the church, it's something that is going against the grain of society at the moment and it also means that there are lots of things that you won't participate in if you are a faithful church member so we've talked about this um, before in the podcast but for instance if you are a person who believes that the lord's day is the sabbath 
for example, there's a large number of activities and societal functions that you will never be part of mm -hmm. just because it's almost everything in our society is built to conflict with that in some ways. Yeah. The same is true, more broadly speaking, about church membership and church responsibilities. Yeah. That if you think about the common household with family and kids, you have, you know, two or more kids going to two to each have their own two or different extracurricular activities, each have sports, each have their work to do, then there's your own personal time and what usually happens is that you prioritize all of these other things. And the church is seen as the appendix on the side mm. that you add after you have enough time to do everything else. And so that's the general flow of society. And to be honest, what the COVID pandemic has allowed us to see has been the lack of faithful commitment that is there. Because on one end, we know that there, were, there was a, a valid amount of time that many churches chose not to open the doors for health reasons. That mm -hmm. day is well past. And like a lot of people, it felt comfortable getting up to go to church in your pajamas and rolling out of bed and turning <laughs> on your computer. That's a lot easier than having to get the kids together, you can get the meals prepared, you get your clothes on, rush out the door. And yeah, so that takes that's going backwards in a sense of you had to get retrained in a sense to go back to your old habits and routines. And COVID, in a sense, has introduced that reality is that some feel that they actually are better off, or maybe say another way, some feel that it's not worth the time and effort to do all of that to be members in good standing in a church. It's better just to kind of float around and just pop in every so often just so that no one thinks you have just fallen off the earth or something. Convenience is king. Yes, exactly. It's a matter of convenience. But one of the things I always uh, I tell our girls uh, and I tell a lot of people is that when we think about the Christian faith, the Christian faith is never pictured as being merely individual. Mm -hmm. At no point uh, you see this in the New Testament. As soon as you see the pouring out the Holy Spirit, you have the church as the focus point. It's not the individual believers, so to speak. You have the picture of the church being the focus and that's where the spotlight is on. Now, one of my favorite songs that kind of emphasizes this is the song, uh, The Church is One Foundation. Mm. And consider what this, what this is saying. It's not saying you are the foundation or you are the focus, it's the church. And the first verse says, the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and a word. From heaven, he came and sought her, the church, to be his holy bride. With his own blood, he bought her, the church, and for her life, he died. The emphasis there is on the collective body, not the individual. Today, we have, in a sense, become so individualized that we fail to see ourselves as one among many, one within a body joined together. And once you lose that corporate understanding of what the Christian faith is, it's very easy to become Jesus, your boyfriend, going <laughs> to the closet yourself, and that being the core of Christianity. Well, that's the pattern that was set up in the Old Testament as well. You talked about the New Testament being about the church. I mean, even if you think of some of the first covenants that God made with mankind, he made a covenant with Noah, 
Uh, Noah was the individual, but it was Noah and his family. All, all of the members of his family were included. The same with Abraham. Abraham and his household um, were all included among the people of God. And so it's never been this individualistic uh, uh, approach to just me and Jesus. My relationship with God is the most important. Uh, you know, it's it's a corporate thing. And I think you know, going back uh, to something else that you said, Gabe, that that um, is an important aspect of this, is that. Uh, we as Americans in our individualistic society do not like people telling us what we can and cannot do. Exactly. We do not like other people having authority over us. And we also especially don't like voluntarily giving someone else authority over us. And so when it comes to uh, submitting to your elders at the church, uh, that's something that um, pushes up against our inborn you know american uh uh you know uh, drive to be individuals uh and so that's something that church leaders constantly have to deal with um is reminding people that hey this is an important aspect of your life as a believer you are not allowed to you're not supposed to be on your own you you're not supposed to be uh you know swimming in this big wide ocean all by yourself we are here together to help you and yes we as church leaders have authority over you uh, and but we are also accountable to other people to make sure we're not abusing that authority uh, and make sure that we are are actually teaching you scripture and and leading you and guiding you in the way that god would have us to go Yes, that's, that's so important uh, to remember that uh, you would never want a sheep wandering around the wilderness by right. itself. Uh, the sheep would be exposed to all kinds of dangers. Mm. It's only when a sheep is with the flock and under the rule of a loving shepherd that that sheep ends up being safe. It's being led out into green pastures and it's yes. made to lie down in those green yeah. pastures and to be uh, led to the still waters to have uh, their bodies and souls restored. And, and so... Uh, the, the church, you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, I just see nothing in the Bible about <laughs> church membership. And so, you know, here you guys are, are saying the importance of the church. I agree with you. Uh, I, I believe what the scripture says about the church and all these wonderful metaphors about the church. But, but I see nothing in there about mm -hmm. church membership. And over the years in ministry, uh, I've heard that uh, several times. And, and I, I can see why people would say that. And part of the reason why they say that I think is a fundamental misunderstanding uh, with biblical hermeneutics. Mm -hmm. Because when we interpret our Bibles properly, we understand that everything we believe that the Bible is teaching is not explicitly stated in the Bible. Yeah. For instance, uh, we hold to the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, the word Trinity is found nowhere in Scripture. And yet, by good and necessary consequence, uh, we, we see it inferred everywhere in Scripture. Um, when, when we uh, see you know, Jesus saying, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, who else is Jesus talking about there except for the Holy Trinity? Um, uh, we see it in doxologies and, and elsewhere. Uh, we see at the, the um, baptism of Jesus, uh, the Father saying, this is my Son. Uh, we see the Son who is there being ba baptized by, by John, and we see this, the, the, the dove coming down in the form of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we, we have this, um, and the same is true for church membership. Um, while it is not stated anywhere specifically like a golden verse, you know, this is what you must do and these are the steps you must take in order to join a local church, we don't have that. But everywhere it is assumed 
mm-hmm. in the New Testament that yeah. you will be an active, vital, connected member of the local church. Right. And it's even those metaphors that reinforce this. Jesus says he is the head and we are the what? The body. We are the body. And in that body there are many parts, m- parts, parts or and members. members. Yeah, and each member has gifts in order to, right. to serve one another in Romans chapter 12. And then, of course, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 12 and following, it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. That's important in our individualistic, exactly. hyper-therapeutic, me-first uh, uh, self-saturated kind of approach in our in our culture. Uh, it says, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, uh, I do not belong to the body, uh, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so the church, as we see in Romans 12 too, each of these members have different gifts. They're to serve one another with those gifts. And, uh, And all over the New Testament, we have this idea reinforced, not least in the fact that there are to be qualified leaders mm, yes. who are called, gifted, trained, and ordained in order to give oversight to the flock. Now, how can these men give oversight to a flock that they don't know who they are exactly, or who's formally a part of that flock? And I think those are important distinctions. I think there's also uh, what I find interesting about this is just kind of following, the hist- following what the New Testament says. The New Testament letters are not given to individual Christians. They're given to the church mm-hmm. or sent to the elders of a church. So the very idea of how the Bible comes to you is corporate in nature, not individual. Right. And so it's not. A, so the idea is not that uh, you know God sent this word for you and disregarded everyone else in the process. <laughs> That's not the idea. The idea was that you are part of the assembly. You're part of the congregation. You're part of the church. And God has spoken to all of you. And that's why you are given these words to the church. That's why when Paul deals with matters, he's dealing with things happening within the context of the church. Now, that often leads to the more broader, I guess, I wouldn't call it really a question, but this is one of those objections is that one reason that people often uh, stay away from the church or at least remain on the sidelines is that they believe that they can do better on their own spiritual development themselves without the elders or the church. And, you know, there are lots of human analogies we can use. So I I think of a natural natural analogy, going back to the sheep analogy. We know where the wolf will attack. He's not attacking the sheep in the middle. Hmm. He's attacking the sheep straying on the side somewhere. Same thing is true in the animal kingdom in general. 
that when predators seek prey, they don't seek them in the body in a collection or a congregation. They seek those that are wandering off. That's good. And that's good. one of the basic reasons why, as a Christian, it's foolish to believe that you can do this on your own. That's that's actually a deceptive lie from Satan himself. Mm. He's trying to get you to move away from the body. Proverbs, Proverbs 18.1 says, He who iso- isolates himself mm. does a foolish thing. Yeah. And, you know, think about the way that Paul speaks about church discipline, for example. When Paul disciplines in 1 Corinthians and other passages, he says, I'm delivering you over to Satan. You're out of the protection of the church and the elders and the ministry of the church. You're now out in the world by yourself. That is the most dangerous position for the Christian to be in. Mm. And so for Christians to choose to do that is a height of folly. It is simply saying that you know better how to guard yourself than what God himself spoke to you in his word about. One thing we haven't talked about yet, which is so vital about why Christians not only ought to be uh, vital members of a local church, but why we ought to gather together Mm. uh, is the means of grace. That's right. Um, You know, throughout church history, there have been times where there's been a totalitarian government, uh, even right now in places like China and elsewhere. Christians are are taking risks to gather together. Uh, They're risking uh, being imprisoned. Uh, They're they're risking physical harm. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, just recently... You know, I've I've read a couple of pastors in Canada have been uh, arrested, you know, for gathering together, and so there are there are groups that are gathering together in secret. Um, why is it important that no matter what that we gather together uh, as a church, as we understand the role and the nature of the means of grace? Say, so probably the most basic foundational reason is because. Christian discipleship, its foundation, Christian discipleship in general is based upon what God has given and ordained for his people. Mm. Now, we know what those are because of what we see in the book of Acts in terms of what's commanded is that they were devoted to the word, devoted to the teaching, the prayers and the basically breaking the bread, the Lord's Supper and the sacraments. We know that that is what the church was committed to because that's what they were given for us for our own sanctification and maturity. Now, coupled with that, and this is part of one of the things you've mentioned in the Sermon of Romans, is that when the Apostle Paul speaks about the gospel, he speaks about, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God on the salvation. The reason that statement comes out is because in times of difficulty, and persecution, it's very convenient and easy to lay low and not allow your, mm-hmm. in a sense, light to shine, or it's very easy for you to quench the witness that's there. And one of the things that public worship does, it is a witness to the world around. Mm-hmm. So this is also what Paul speaks about when he uh, gives the instructions at the supper, that these are things you do you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. It's a public testimony witness that we are God's people. This is his ordinances. And also by consequence, there's judgment to those who are not part of this. So one of the basic reasons that you know I draw home to a lot of people is that part of what gathering together is, apart from what's receiving 
God's grace through the means of grace. It is a public witness to the world that we have bound ourselves together in a common bond. We have loved each, we're loving each other and we are walking with one another. And as the scriptures say, well, as Jesus himself said, that the way in which the world understands Christianity in a sense, and the way in which the world understands us is how we treat and love one another. They will know you by your love for one another. All of those things, can none of those things can happen if you are, uh, in a sense, remaining on the sidelines, in a sense. And this is why the metaphors of the Christian life is corporate in nature. Mm -hmm. So think about, you know, this is in reference to Timothy, but Paul instructed Timothy to be a good soldier. No one thinks of a soldier fighting him by himself with no other army around. Yeah. It's an army of people fighting. You are one among many, and your gift is needed to protect the rest, in a sense. When we think about the actual agricultural analogies associated with the Christian faith, you should not think of that as a single farmer by himself doing his work. It is a family coming together to produce, to grow, to work together. All of those analogies are corporate because the reality is that we are bound together by God's spirit. That is who we are fundamentally. The battle analogy comes uh, into, into the picture, doesn't it? Uh, you, you mentioned earlier the idea that when you fight, you fight with your uh, army. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you don't go in the outskirts. You don't go off by yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's precisely understanding the Christian life as a war that yeah. reminds us of how much we need one another, Amen. how much we need the means of grace, how much we need faithful gospel preaching mm -hmm. and preaching that clearly uh, communicates God's word and how we're supposed to live as Christian believers and what the dangers are out there. Um, folks who have are working 50, 60 hours a week in a, in a vocation don't have the time to unpack those things. It's the responsibility of the ministers to, to preach that and to, to make people aware of the dangers and the, the wicked ideologies that exist in the culture. And uh, if, if, if the church is not discipling God's people, then who will be doing right. that? Exactly. Well, the culture will be discipling them exactly. and they'll begin to, to embrace Vibe, all of those things. And so it, it really is, uh, in many ways, to, to say, I'm a Christian, but I don't I don't need the church, I don't want the church, it, it really is, um, it, it demonstrates a lack of knowledge about what the Bible actually teaches mm -hmm. about how important it is that uh, we are not that soldier running through the forest, you know, getting shot at by all of the enemies and not having any help whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You know, the last thing I think is important to mention because I think a lot of people that have uh, said this kind of thing and, and have rejected the church have been hurt. Uh, perhaps a, a, a leader in the church, maybe a pastor who was uh, unfaithful or abusive in some way. And so they've just decided, or there was a church split that got really nasty, and you know the church was arguing about whether the new carpet should be red or blue. And uh, uh, <laughs> I've heard these stories actually. <laughs> um, and and they've decided, you know, I'm, I'm done with the church. Uh, Pastor Michael, what what do we say to folks like that? That 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 are currently in a place where they don't want to have anything to do with the church because of what's happened in the past, and they've been hurt. How do we encourage them? I, I would first say uh, just. You know, if you're if you're uh, eating an apple, right, and you you bite into it and it's rotten in the core, well, uh, pick a different apple, 
right? Don't throw, don't say I'm never going to eat an apple again just because you had one bad apple, right? So don't, don't throw out the church just or because two bad apples. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just because you've had bad experiences at churches doesn't mean that every church is going to be a bad experience for you. Um, don't throw away something, uh, a, a gift that's been given by God, the, the church, the corporate body. Don't throw that away just because um, someone has abused their power or has mistreated you in sinful ways. Um, there, there needs to be to be grace uh, on the side of the, the church member to um, to open themselves up to to being placed under the authority of leaders in the church. Um, and if your if your leaders at a church are wrong and abusive, well, I would encourage you to be in a Presbyterian church because we have systems in place to take care of bad uh, bad apples, right? Bad. Um, Elders can be disciplined by the presbytery or by the general assembly, and um, there are those structures in place that will help prevent some of those situations. But um, don't don't give up uh, just because you've been in a bad situation. Um, avail yourself of the, the the body of Christ because uh, it is so vital for your Christian life. Amen. We we all need shepherds to. Uh, watch over our souls. Yes. We all need that. Um, last night in our elders meeting, uh, we met for four hours. Uh, <laughs> and we do that monthly. And the, the meetings usually aren't that long, uh, but they're close. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's lots to talk about with a growing church. And um, it's, it's the, the role that we have to look over the flock, mm. to talk about the various things going on in the lives and the families of Christ Church, and to pray for them. And we, we periodically stop in our meetings and just pray for various members. Yeah. And, um, and that's what we're called to do. And that's what every Christian needs. We all need yes. that. And uh, in First uh, Peter 5, uh, he writes, I exhort the elders among you. So, so there are elders. Mm in these churches that are watching over people's souls. So that's being clearly taught here. As a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Now listen, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. So the question is, who are the flock of God that are among them? Hmm. It's the visible gathered church. Right. It's those who have some kind of a formal affiliation with those churches. If right. not, who are the elders going to shepherd? Mm -hmm. If they don't know who they are, the ones that are committed right. to that local church. So there's there's obviously some kind of formal affiliation. Um, and then it, it goes on to say, shepherd the flock of God that's among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And then when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And so the idea here is that Jesus is the chief shepherd over his church, and that the elders who are called, gifted, ordained, set apart to shepherd the flock are under-shepherds mm -hmm. who are under the authority of Christ. We see this same kind of exhortation, uh, this time to the people in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, where it states, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And so, again and again, we could take you to many, many passages mm. that reinforce this clear teaching 
that the body of Christ is under one head, the Lord Jesus, mm. and that we are his body made up of many members who are called to be together. We're called out of the world, ecclesia, and into fellowship together Amen. around the means of grace, the very means that God has given to strengthen and comfort and protect his church. Mm. Right. And so uh, if you're listening to this and you have kind of gotten into this place in your life and you're thinking that, you know, I don't really need the church, or perhaps you know someone like that, a family member, a friend, a neighbor who has said, you know, I'm, I, I love Jesus, but I, I have no time for the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to them about this. Uh, show them these passages. Maybe ask them to listen to this uh, episode and, and, and challenge them and say, hey, wh- why do you not love that which Christ gave his life for? Right. Um, it's a, it's, a, it's a, a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's been great to be with you on this episode of Between the Times. We'll hope uh, that you'll join us for our next episode.